Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about taxes. And, of course, when the government spends as much money as this government has been spending, deficits get bigger and people, government at least, uh, instead of looking to cut spending, they tend to look for more revenue. And um, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said, you know, why do you rob banks? And they said, because that's where the money is. And of course, the money in our economy, a lot of money in our economy rather, is with the wealthiest of Americans. And billionaires have had it kind of rough over the last couple of decades. Uh, people like Elizabeth Warren um, and, and the squad, AOC, and some of those people, they're pretty good at scapegoating billionaires. And I've spoken a little bit about how our economy, how our economic system benefits billionaires, specifically through the banking system and the way they can borrow money. Um, and in an inflationary environment, people who borrow money, it, it benefits them. Um, and that's the real, that's the real nefarious part of our system is your average guy or gal out there that's working, um, in a, in a business or, you know, in a small business or as an employee working on a job somewhere, they don't really, they can't really advantage themselves with the banking system the way some of the richest people do. And, that, and that's unfortunate because, uh, you know, I, I don't really have a good idea of how to change that um, other than to, to create a system of money that doesn't get inflated away that, that, uh, gains value over time relative to our, uh, productive, uh, productive capacity. But that's not the subject of today's conversation. The subject of today's conversation is really this wealth tax that Elizabeth Warren and others are promoting. And so the wealth tax works a lot like your property tax. So if you live in a home, let's say just for simplicity's sake, you live in a hundred thousand dollar home and your taxes are 3% a year. That means you're going to spend $3,000 a year in taxes on your home. And that's how the state that you live in is funded. Now, if you if you do the math on that, what you'll find is that after about 25 years, uh, especially when you compound the money, okay, 20 to 25 years, you basically have bought that home again, okay? So think of it the same way as somebody's wealth, okay? Let's say somebody has $100 million in wealth and we tax them 3%. That means they have to generate another $100 million in wealth over the next 20 years or so, or the government's going to tax away all their, their wealth. I mean, theoretically, Theoretically, they would stop because they would fall out of that bracket, out of that billionaire bracket or whatever it is, the cutoff point. 
and this is just to me is a is a very I don't know. It's not a very just way to tax people in a uh, free society. In fact, this was something that our founders were very concerned about. Um, they didn't want the government to be able to tax individuals directly. This is why they promoted things like tariffs um, or the idea was they didn't want to have a direct tax because if the government could could single people out, this was anti-liberty in their mind. So the idea would, would be that the national government would collect taxes primarily through tariffs. And if you think about the way a tariff works, it's a tax on goods that are coming into the country, right? And it's paid at the port. And then, of course, once the goods and services or goods are distributed throughout the country, they've been taxed. There is no way to, there is no way to collect a tax beyond that. And so there's no way to tie that tax to any particular individual. And so the, the founders felt like this was, uh, you know, this was the most, this was the highest uh, form of liberty that you could have if you still had to tax. Because, you know, like, like I would like to see no taxes, but a lot of people say, well, you got to have a government, you got to have this, you got to have that, you got to have an army or whatever, whatever the reason is for having a government. Um, you know, I, I favor more of a voluntary type society, but you know, I'm in the minority, but we're not going to talk about that so much today as we're going to talk about this wealth tax and, and, and how destructive it is because the government really, you know, I think they're going to raise, I think they can raise like a hundred or $150 billion a year. I mean, that is nothing compared to what we've been spending. So the question is, is the $150 billion better in the hands of the government or is it better in the hands of these people that know how to manage capital and make capital work, not only for themselves, but for all of those that, that benefit from that capital formation. So let's just talk about Jeff Bezos for a second. Jeff Bezos with some money initially created something called Amazon now, everybody uses Amazon, and everybody will tell you that Amazon has made their life better. And I don't know what Jeff Bezos pours back into Amazon every year. It's probably, it's way in the billions of dollars. But arguably, if, if Jeff Bezos has to sell Amazon stock every year in order to pay a wealth tax, then eventually he's no longer going to be in control of Amazon. And without Jeff Bezos in control of Amazon, what happens to Amazon? Does Amazon does Amazon become a good company? Does it tend to falter? Um, do consumers suffer from that? You know, I don't know, but I would think that eventually, year after year after year, eventually Jeff Bezos is going to have to sell enough Amazon stock to give the money to the federal government in order to pay his wealth tax. And eventually that sale of his stock will make him no longer the majority shareholder or whatever. He'll lose control of his company. And I just think that's wrong. I mean, we don't, we don't tax old people that live in homes and force them to move. We don't do that. Once you, 
once you get to a certain age, your taxes are frozen at a certain level and you no longer pay school taxes and things like that. We have those kinds of practices. So, you know, how is it, how is it any more right that the government effectively forces the sale of stock so that billionaires can pay a wealth tax? It's essentially what they would do. And year after year, they would sell, they would continue to sell stock. The market would buy it up. Individuals would buy it up. But the, the, the person that founded the company eventually would be run out of their own company. So I don't think that's very fair. The other thing I'd like to say, you know, about this is all these tax schemes that the government comes up with, they always start small. They always start, they always tell you, this is only going to affect, you know, 20 people in the entire country. And then eventually because of inflation and like someday each of you out there will make a million dollars a year or $5 million a year. As an accountant, as a lawyer, I mean, that's just the way it's going to be because of inflation. Eventually, uh, you know, said another way, people used to be a lawyer, let's say, and make $500 a year. Well, now people make $500 an hour, right? Well, what what's the difference? Well, the, the value of the money, the value of the money has been diminished. Well, that's just going to continue to happen. So eventually... The, the number of billionaires will be larger and larger and larger, and not because people are becoming wealthier, but simply because the money is becoming less valuable. So eventually this, this scheme will ensnare a larger, an ever larger group of people. And so I think that's important to think about. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this CNBC clip, and we're going to play it. Uh, Grove, uh, Grover Norquist is on there. And another guy who's a lawyer who's advocating for this wealth tax. And of course, Grover Norquist is he he doesn't like any tax. He's like me, so he's advocating against it. And let's just listen to these arguments and 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 comment them. I, th- I think it's uh, this is a good good exercise because some some of you might be thinking out there, well, what do I care? I'm not a billionaire. I, don't, I shouldn't have. I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't need to worry about this. Yeah, that's probably true. You probably don't need to worry about it. But um, eventually, uh, this will ensnare more and more people. You can just count on that. And to the extent you don't want to get ensnared or maybe you don't want your posterity to get ensnared in such a scheme, maybe you should be against it for that reason. Welcome back to Squawk. Senator Elizabeth Warren unveiling a proposal to tax the wealthy. It calls for a 2% annual tax on wealth over $50 million and 3% on wealth over a billion dollars under this ultra-millionaire tax, the 100 richest Americans would hand over more than $78 billion of their personal fortunes. Jeff Bezos alone could face an extra annual tax charge of $5.4 billion. Elon Musk, $5.2 billion, and Bill Gates, $4 billion. Joining us to discuss the implications of the plan, Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform, uh, David uh, Gamage, law professor uh, with Indiana University of Bloomington, who advised on this plan. I'm going to start with you first, and, I, and maybe I'll, I'll do some work for, for Grover in this case. Uh, Janet Yellen says uh, this is unworkable. It's very difficult to implement a plan like this and unfair insofar as you'd be taxing unrealized gains. What do you think of that? Okay, so this guy helped author the 
the scheme. So, you know, what does he think of that? We can probably guess, right? Um, but look, unrealized gains, it, it's, it's the, that, that's, that's a real problematic thing because it's kind of like I said that, you know, an elderly person living in their home, if their home value goes up and up and up and they were having to pay taxes on that, those are unrealized gains. But in order to pay the taxes, you have to sell the house and then turn the money over to the IRS or whoever the taxing authority is. And it's the same thing if you own a company. So I've already covered that. I'm not going to cover it again. But let's listen to what this guy has to say and see if we can develop a good argument against it. Why we need a wealth tax or some equivalent. The existing income tax, the existing tax system are largely escaped by mega millionaires and billionaires. Mega millionaires and billionaires pay a much smaller fraction of their economic income, their true income, and in tax than do the middle class or do the merely wealthy. A wealth tax is one of the easiest, probably the best and most achievable ways to fix this. It's working reasonably well in Switzerland and in Spain, and we've learned a lot about tax administration over the prior decades, and there's every reason to think we can do a much better wealth tax in America than exists in Switzerland and Spain. But even if we just get this wealth tax as good as exists in Switzerland, that would be a massive improvement to our tax system, raise needed revenues from those who are paying currently a very small percentage of their income in tax, uh, help with government's needs, help restore economy of equality of opportunity to our economy, and help with a host of harms caused by the failures of our existing tax system. I think that's funny. At the end, he said he was concerned about the the harms caused by the failures of the tax system. See, I see it just the opposite way. I mean, the, the, the harms that are caused by the tax system, it, it's almost uncalculable. I remember one time uh, there was a guy I was listening to, I don't recall his name, but this was back when the GDP was about $17 trillion. And he estimated that the total wealth of the country because of the tax system and the regulation system that we lived under um, he estimated that the GDP should have been about three times higher than it than it currently was. So at the time it was 17 trillion, three times higher would be 51 trillion. Now let me let me explain what that means. That means that I don't care how much you make or how much you spend, you would be three times wealthier in that scenario. So what one of the, the so the bottom line under a tax system, especially like ours, is it makes you poor because the government just burns the money, basically. And this is money that, that takes real productive effort to create. And when we hand it over to the government, they just flush it down the toilet. I mean, it just it's a big money blender, and they just it spins around and around until it's all gone. So obviously I disagree with this guy. Um you know, a minute ago they said it would only generate $78 billion. I mean, the federal government spends $78 billion in like the first 10 days of the month or something like that. I mean, it's ridiculous. So you're going you're gonna to risk and upset the entire capital formation structure to collect, you know, 10 days worth of revenue or whatever it is. So I think this is a really, really, really bad idea. Grover, I, I know you hate all taxes, but is, is there a way to increase tax revenue and, and to more fairly uh, tax the wealthy um, 
recognizing that I know that you don't like the wealth tax unto itself. Sure, if you want to, you reduce the capital gains tax. Every time we've reduced the capital gains tax rate, higher income people have paid more in taxes and you've had more growth and there have been more jobs for everybody. So if you're into hate and envy, uh, go ahead and do the wealth tax. Uh, there's a rather selective discussion about where the wealth tax has succeeded. 15 countries have put in a wealth tax. 11 got rid of them because they discovered how dysfunctional it was. Uh, one of the things that people should check on is in this legislation that Warren has put forward, she wants $100 billion more, $100 billion more. I think that's interesting that he goes, if you're into hate and envy, go ahead and have a wealth tax. And yeah, I think that's what, really what this is. I mean, um, the a lot of these people are just envious and they don't like that these people have these lifestyles that they don't have and, you know, they want to punish them. I mean, I think that really probably is what's going on here. Um, Grover Norquist talks about uh, capital gains, reduced capital gains tax. And, you know, look, I don't really care about this. Um, I, I think it does probably raise revenue. Um but I don't think it's, um, I don't, I think the bigger problem is this, this quest for fairness. And I think if you really wanted to make the tax system fair, you would just charge everybody 10% and tell the government they've got to get by on 10%. And, um, and I, the other thing I think you'd do is, is get under some sort of hard money system so that the people at the bottom are not having their their savings stolen from them over time because they don't really have the ability to offset that with, with growth, like people that can leverage the banking system. And I, you know, I think I've spoken about that before, but essentially if you're, if you're rich, if you own a lot of assets, you can go to the bank and borrow money and um, buy other assets like other businesses. So if I own business a, I can go to the bank and borrow money against business A to buy business B. Now, what does business A and business B do? Well, they, they make money. So I can just continue to buy more companies, borrow money, which is losing value all the time, and buy more and more companies and own them all. And those companies will continue to throw off more and more cash. And so I become wealthy that way. And the average person doesn't really have the skills or the wherewithal to do that, um, which is fine. Not everybody's built for that. But the bad thing is they can't just put their money in the bank either because eventually the government prints so much money and expands the credit to the point where that money is not worth anything. So that's not fair to the, that's really what's not fair. It's not that some people are making more. It's that the government is, destroying the value of the money, which harms the bottom 90% of our population. That's really what's not fair. We know that when Biden was vice president, they politicized and weaponized the IRS to go after people they didn't like. This has happened before. Uh, we can't have a government with that many IRS agents running around looking into people they don't particularly like. Uh, this is, I mean, and the idea that this is only going to hit the rich people. That was a sales pitch for the alternative minimum tax. Only get 155 people. It was scheduled to go to 30 million people before the Republicans pulled it back. The income tax was only going to hit people who had about $11 million of income in today's uh, dollars. It's now half of the country gets hit by the income tax. That the, the tax to pay for the Spanish-American War. 
only the super rich. What was that attacks on? Long distance phone bills, 3%. Hit very few people at first, up to about 90% of the population within a few decades. So Grover Norcos brings up a couple of points here. One is all these IRS agents. She wants to spend a hundred billion dollars. I was it a hundred billion or hundred million? It's it's gotta it's gotta be a hundred million. But whatever it is, she wants to hire more IRS IRS agents to go collect all this money. And this is just tyrannical, right? I mean, we saw he points out that we saw under the Obama administration when when Joe Biden was vice president that. They weaponized the uh, the IRS. I can't remember that lady's name, but she was basically, you know, her department was not letting companies, not letting uh, groups form 501Cs. And so that's, you know, that's tyranny, right? And they're getting in the way of what you want to do. Um, the other thing is he just mentions the trend, which I've already mentioned. The, our, the uh, income tax started this way. It was only supposed to hit a few people. Um, this is how they always start, and eventually it ensnares everybody. But why, if you're going to do 50 million and decide that those people have enough, when you get up to a billion or 10 billion or 20 billion, why not really do something serious? Dave? Why, why go from one and a half to two and a half? Go 10, go 20. If 50 million is an area where those people already have more than they deserve and more than they can use, then a person who has 10 billion. You really get, let's raise some real money. Go for 50%. Why not? Why not? You've decided the other people have enough. Some because real money. that's not my view of the economy. That's not the American people's view of the economy. Government and civilization cost money. Ever since the Bush administration's tax cuts for the very wealthy and the Trump administration's tax cuts for the very wealthy, we're running deficits. Joe Kernan here, he, he's trying uh, a technique called, uh, we call redacto in absurdum. And that's basically he's going to the absurd to try to make his point. You know, it, it, why, why two? I mean, you know, if somebody, if you're going to tax 2% from somebody that has 50 million, then what you're saying is 50 million is enough. So when you get to somebody that's got 50 billion or 100 billion, why not just take half of what they have? You know, why? I mean, 50 million is enough for them to live on. So just go ahead and take half of their money half their wealth. And, uh, and, you know, so that's, that's the same kind of technique, you know, same thing with the minimum wage, you know, if $15 an hour is good, why not pay them $30 an hour or $100 an hour? I mean, you know, what's the problem with that? And it's, to, it's to get them to admit that there's a problem, right? Of course, this guy's not falling for it. He, um, he basically says, well, that's not our, that's not my view of the economy. You know, it, 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 it takes money to run, Western civilization, and um, this is why I don't believe that, and blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. So the other little switcheroo the guy does is he says, well, ever since the Bush administration's tax cuts for the wealthy and and the Trump's administration tax cuts for the wealthy, we've been running deficits. As if deficits are linked, I mean, they are linked somewhat to um, tax cuts, but they're also linked to spending, you know. I mean, it's not like it's not like spending was flat and we had tax cuts and and had deficits. I mean, the spending maybe the maybe revenue went down by X and spending went up by five X. So, you know, it's it's just a an, a disingenuous way of arguing against uh, 
the points that uh, Joe Kernan's making. Uh, look, I'm trying to help. Why not? From I know, but did you hear my, my question? Was why tax. not? Why not make it much higher on people that have a billion? Why? I'm not. I'm not why arguing with you. Let's do it. Why not do it? Not confiscatory taxation. So do the American people. Right now, we don't have progressive taxation at the very top. It breaks down around the 30 to 50 million in wealth level. Before that, we have reasonable progressive tax rates in the income tax. After that, the income tax fails to work in our existing economy. Largely, that's because of changes made by Republican administrations. Partly, it's because of various tax gaming transactions that harm the economy and undermine the functioning of the tax system and the economic system. So, David, to David. Means paying fair share uh, means hey, David. tax rates that rise with income, but not confiscatory levels. So really what this is all about, okay, it really just boils down to mostly these people that own or have ownership in public companies. There's some private companies, but it's mostly public companies where they have vast amounts of their wealth tied up in the company, in stock ownership. And they pay them so they their income levels are, are fairly low i mean they maybe they like an elon musk might pay himself you know two or three million dollars a year or something I, I i don't know exactly what he makes but but his wealth what he owns is all tied up in tesla stock and spacex stock and of course he leaves his money in the company because if he takes it out I mean, there's an argument that it could harm the company somewhat. So he doesn't just raid the company. He leaves his money in the company because his money inside the company produces wealth, not just for himself, but for other people, for the employees, for, for society as a whole. So um, there's just a misunderstanding, I think, in general of, of where – you know, how this wealth is produced in the first place. And just because somebody owns a bunch of stock and they're not selling it doesn't mean that they're not paying taxes. I mean, we have an income tax. So by definition, if your wealth is tied up in a company or in assets, in the, in, you know, not generating income, then you don't, you don't pay income tax. I mean, that's, that's where it breaks down. He was talking about where, you know, we have this progressive tax system that breaks down. So what, when he says they're only paying 2% of tax, like he says Mark Zuckerberg only pays 2% in tax, he's talking about 2% of his entire wealth. But Mark Zuckerberg, I promise you, is paying plenty on his income. He's probably paying half or more of his income in tax. So this this idea of fairness is just a canard it's it's a red herring it's just a way to you know create another enemy create some boogeyman out there and the the real question is where is the capital where is who are the best stewards of capital and i mean i just don't think there's any question about that uh the government is a destroyer of capital uh, they they spend it on uh, political things that don't produce wealth for anybody. In, in fact, it it empowers the government to destroy wealth and standard of living for all of us. So, really, I you know, 
I think there needs to be a better understanding of where where does capital flourish and produce the most good in society? And I think there's this assumption that uh, on, on people like Elizabeth Warren's part that they just assume that capital locked up inside Tesla owned by Elon Musk is just unfair. It's just a net bad for society. And I think, I think she's wrong about that for sure. But it plays well, right? I mean, she can get on TV and talk about fair share and all this kind of mess. And, um, you know, it plays well. It plays well with people that don't understand this, people that are envious, people that want to be rich but maybe think they're never going to be rich. And so they're like, yeah, let's get them, you know. And um, this is one of the problems with democracy. Uh, this is why I hate democracy uh, is because literally if 50 plus one decide, 50% plus one person decides to take all your wealth away from you, then, you know, they pass a law and make it happen. And of course, that's not liberty. That's not freedom. That's not, that's anti-American um, at its core. And so these are really bad ideas. Okay. As we move through life, we move through the arc of history. There are numerous bad, bad ideas. There's bad ideas all the time. And sometimes those bad ideas get so out of whack that people go to war and start killing each other and all this kind of stuff. The best way to keep all that from happening is to kill the bad ideas before they even get any traction. And so that's why I wanted to talk about this wealth tax. If you have any friends or family that thinks it's a good idea, maybe you should send them this podcast and maybe, maybe I can persuade them not to do this, not to be for this. Um, either way, share the podcast with somebody, somebody you like, somebody you dislike. Share it with somebody that thinks this wealth tax thing is a good idea. And, you know, when, when somebody's not talking over you, and sometimes when you're talking to somebody face-to-face, they can talk over you, and it's just you can't get your point across. So maybe if they're listening to a podcast, maybe the point will come across because there's nobody to talk over. Like, I suppose they get a pause, um, but there's nobody. You can't shout over somebody. You can't shout them down. So anyway, that's about it on the wealth tax. Um, you know, at the end of the day, your money is your money. And who should get to decide about your money? Certainly not the government. I mean, your money, your wealth was created. Um, and Joe Kernan said it. Hey, maybe it was lucky. You know, maybe you got it through luck. Certainly, um, there's a certain amount of luck, right? I mean, there's really a lot of smart people out there, and sometimes people get lucky. Hey, sometimes people win the lottery, right? That's luck. That's pure luck. But at the end of the day, if it's sitting in your bank account or your brokerage account, or it's in your company, then it's yours. And really, because, you know, we're a free people, and we, we believe liberty, we believe in liberty, we believe in economic freedom, not just, not just civil 
liberties and civil freedom, but economic freedom. Because, you know, if we, if we start running around confiscating wealth or income or whatever from people, I mean, it's already bad. Okay. We already do this too much. Um, but I don't think, I don't think it's even possible, uh, to really know what the ramifications of something like this could be. I, I, I don't know that, um, it, it could be significant. It could be significant. You could have companies that are great companies like Walmart. Walmart's a great company. You know, Walmart single-handedly fights inflation in the service of, you know, the poor part of our population. And that's really what Walmart does. Walmart keeps prices low so that people at the bottom of our economic system can enjoy the fruits of a high standard of living. I mean, that's amazing. That's an, that's an incredible thing. But can you imagine if the owners of Walmart just slowly over time got their uh, wealth taxed away to the point where Walmart became owned by somebody else? And, you know, who knows? Maybe they start trying to run it like Neiman Marcus or something. Next thing you know, there's nothing for poor people to, there's no place for those poor people to shop. And their standard of living is just wiped out overnight. So there's, I don't know, like I said, I think it's incalculable almost what, what, what could happen with something so powerfully stupid as what Elizabeth Warren is advocating. And, you know, I used to say people, I used to say things like, you know, Elizabeth Warren is a smart person, but, and then I would go into why I think she was wrong, but I'm not so sure she's a smart person. I really am not so sure about that. I think uh, these are very, very dumb ideas. And eventually ideas like this will destroy whatever civilization we've been able to cobble together to this point. <laughs>